Good evening, and thanks for tuning in. This is Heartstock. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. And uh, today we have Mandy Kerr of Global Hemp Association as our guest. Um, We've got Daniel Hogan manning the board in the studio. And in just a moment, Mandy will be with us and tell us all about what she's got going on there at Global Hemp Association. This is Hardstock. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Was made for you and me. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw this is Heartstock Radio, and today our guest is Mandy Kerr of Global Hemp Association. Hello, Mandy. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. How are you? And I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for being our guest. And you're speaking with us from where? Utah. Utah, Salt Lake. Awesome. Uh, what's it like there? I mean, we're having a real dry spell here in Montana. Lots of wind and dust and dryness. It's um, concerning. Yeah, I'm afraid we won't have lake. I mean, lake water. We, we've got a bunch of sand in the middle of our waters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it, it does the cloud, the sky clouds up and the wind blows and we get Dang maybe it. a little sprinkle of rain. So some uh, forest fires may be ahead in our future here. But um, at any rate, Thank you so much for speaking with us. Can you give our listeners a little intro here? What is the Global Hemp Association? Sure. We're an organization of businesses and entrepreneurs, people both in the industry, the hemp industry, as well as people interested in the industry who get together to uh, connect the supply chain, educate, move projects, uh, move projects forward, and really advance the industrial hemp industry. So we host a number of events where um, we collectively host eight to twelve events a month, um, really with the focus of building relationships and connecting connecting individuals. And why is hemp so important to you personally? Why why did you get involved in this? And you are the founder, correct? I am. Yeah. I, um, I really had an aha moment when I realized that plastics have been around as long as hemp has been banned mm. and that, you know, that hemp is a substitute for a number of these, you know, carbon sucking or carbon producing um, products like plastics or uh, fiberglass, you know, auto body parts. And so, yeah, for me, I said, I really have an opportunity to make change and I'm at the forefront of an industry that is can potentially change change what ha- what's happening um the whole trajectory of our planet and the way we think. Yeah, humankind. <laughs> I am I am just I have to confess I am 100% well 110% in love with hemp. Um, the more I mm-hmm. learn about it, the more I just love it. And mm-hmm. um, I've worked with the fabric and several different fabrics that consist of hemp blends. Mm-hmm. And um, I was an egg major once upon a time. So just the whole horticultural aspect of it 
And um, I was so thrilled when I found you. And I'm just wondering, you know, what's your background and how might that have contributed to your, our mutual love of hemp? Yeah. So I, my background is actually for the last six years, I have hosted B2B events and networking events um, with the intent to connect people and build revenue minded connections. And so I, uh, when I, when I got into the industry and realized that businesses were failing or making the same mistake over and over again because they didn't have access to resources. Um, My goal was to create a one-stop shop for resources and all things from seed to cradle involving hemp. And I intentionally approached the market by building relationships with bioplastics and uh, construction and building materials, um, the textile industry. Instead of going after the cannabinoid side, I focused on this industrial market. Um, and really it is because I have kids and we've got to make change and they are going to change the world with it. And if I can educate and get people excited about it, then they have an opportunity to take advantage of it. And why not the cannabinoids? Because that, I'm sure you're, you, you've been... Um... Hmm. I'm sure you've rubbed elbows and shoulders with the cannabinoid Always. folks. Um, what, Absolutely. Why, why not? Why not that also or instead? Um, I, because there were a lot of other organizations that had a voice on that at that market. There weren't very many people talking about the whole plant. You know, the cannabinoid side is you know two to ten percent of the plant sometimes. But what do we do with the rest of this? And the rest of the plant is where our auto body parts are made and our clothes can be worn and our homes can be built and our you know, soils can be you know, re- revitalized and our carbon can be sequestered. There's massive opportunity in this plant that just wasn't being talked about. In what about uh, previous to being a connector of, of peoples? What did you do before that in, <laughs> and where did you grow up? And all that kind of good jazz. Um, I'm from Wyoming and I moved to Utah. Actually, I was a, a fairly young mom. I had kids at 21 and excuse me, at 21 and 23. And I flew into the Utah airport, uh, Salt Lake airport, and there was a playground in the airport. And for the first time, I felt like I could put my kids down and just relax. And I was looking for a place to move to where there was more opportunity a little bit more fast paced than, than Wyoming, but not the big city fast rush like Denver was or the way that Denver was booming. And so I settled into Utah and took off. Um, I got married and actually raised a number of kids. <laughs> I got married to a gentleman that had six kids. I had two and we adopted one. And then I got divorced six years ago. So during my marriage, I was for the most part managing chaos with children, but we owned a restaurant and, um, you know, I did a couple of, he was an accountant and we had some small business, home business, but nothing like what, what my goals or opportunities are here in the industrial hemp industry. And, you know, you mentioned before, you know, your first encounters and realizing that there was such a, a deficit. How did you get this off the ground initially? Hemp is a hot topic. And I think that people are big because there has been so much work done on the cannabinoid side to bring awareness. It was 
a buzzword for me to say, but I can also build a house with it. But I can also grow, you know, build a car with it. We can also, you know, sequester the carbon in, in Utah. You know, we've got an awful air problem or air quality problem and we can reverse that. And so, you know, because of that, it made it easier to talk about and it made it easier to build a network. But initially I just started hosting, you know, face-to-face events with the initial intent to drive discussion. And right now, most of my my meetings or opportunities are around bringing people to a panel and providing a, the audience an opportunity to ask questions and learn. Mm-hmm. And there in Utah, what is the situation with hemp? I know here in Montana, there have been some rules and laws changes that is allowing folks to grow it. I mean, obviously we don't have a lot of the infrastructure and I'm sure we can talk more about that. We, you know, what's, what's coming, um, hopefully fingers crossed. What's it like there in Utah, the environment and the discussions and the laws related to him? We're actually doing pretty good, to be honest. Montana is definitely leading, especially on the commodity side. You know, hemp is a commodity and, they're very advanced on the grain and the fiber um, where Utah is not growing as many acres, but Utah is definitely a manufacturing state. And there are some companies here that have some great potential um, that are definitely in the pilot or prototype phase for, you know, building materials, batteries, military uniforms, bioplastics, 3D printing. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. So are you finding that there's a lot of support and help from folks like in Europe, Germany, they've been growing and using hemp, you know, all this while that we have had it banned. Are you finding support from folks overseas who have been doing this for generations? It's been the most humbling industry I've ever been in because people are so eager to change and to make a difference. And people in the hemp industry are passionate. So absolutely, from all over the globe, people are eager to start projects and build relationships. They understand through the pandemic the necessity that comes with you know, creating jobs and bringing our supply chains back within their borders. And so with that, we need support from, you know, their equipment and their research and their data. And they've been fabulous. Yeah, everyone we talked to has been very supportive. And are you finding that there are advances outside of the country that people are willing to share? I mean, maybe maybe you could give us an example of somebody in Europe sending technology or... Yeah, I can give one for sure. Yeah. There's Hemp Block. Hemp Block is designed and built. It's a like a tongue and groove brick that's made out of hemp and it's manufactured in Europe and being sold into the United States to build homes. And that technology is patented and has been for a long time in Europe. And so understanding that we don't have the structural build or opportunity to build structurally with hemp or hempcrete, that this is an opportunity or a technology and process that uh, creates that structural build. And so um, they're more than eager to share and obviously develop or 
I don't know if they're they're franchising or selling license. I'm not sure what their process is or their model is, but they're definitely moving into the United States and Australia. So they're setting up and working with partners here in the U.S. to manufacture within the United States their patented process to create these hemp blocks? Yep. Yep, absolutely. And that's happening. You know, Canada is a huge support. Um, There's a number of technologies. You know, China, of course, has a ton of technology. There's lots of technology from Europe that comes over for decortication for Decortication is when they're processing the fiber or separating the fiber from the woody core. And you have to have all that equipment. And if it doesn't exist here, we we have to find it somewhere, right? Yes. Yeah, there have been a few companies, you know, that are within the United States who have done a good job at uh, engineering, you know, different equipment. But there are definitely, like you said earlier, a number of countries that have had an opportunity to study this for years and years. And so they're much more advanced than we are. (laughs) And why, in your opinion, was it ever, was such a wonderful, beautiful um, product ever banned in the United States? I don't know if people want to call it greed, but, you know, definitely, um, it definitely competes with all of our major industries, all of our major, you know, plastics and, um, our our agriculture and uh, some of these major steel and paper, you know, and so I think that as people recognize and business happens, that those are it's what we're seeing. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if um, I mean I've heard several different you know stories, and I don't really honestly know which of those are true and accurate. But I mean, do you? know that that part of our country's history um absolutely can you share a little bit about exactly how and when it was banned who was behind it all okay so hemp originated over ten thousand years ago historically it was made into and cultivated into food fuel fiber medicine it was treated, you know, sickness for people and in animals, hemp fed and and heated homes. I think that that's one thing that we forget about, too, is definitely the fuel source that's coming from hemp. The ships that traveled across the world, you know, were taken and sailed from Africa. When it went over into Africa, um, it was used for medical purposes, obviously. And in the U.S. itself, who was it that decided it should be banned? I mean, do we do we know that little tidbit of info? Well, it was the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937, and the Marijuana the Marijuana Tax Act actually confused marijuana. It became a criminal criminal to grow, and then hemp became unaffordable. Right? It was taxed so much. Mm, I see. It was the Narcotics Act, you know, that really made it illegal. Okay, and when was that? The Boggs Act of 1951. So the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937, and then the Boggs Act of 1951, and the Narcotics Control Act Mm -hmm. targeting marijuana. Yeah. But anyways. And that's when it it became illegal as opposed to just... Mm-hmm. Expensive, cost prohibitive. This is mm-hmm. um, this is hard stock, and we're going to take our little midway point break here in just a moment. 
We will be right back with Mandy Kerr of Global Hemp Association. Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. And today we are speaking with Mandy Kerr of Global Hemp Association. And we were just talking about how other parts of the world have been growing and advancing the uses of hemp in many ways. Uh, We're a little behind here in the United States since it's been illegal for quite some time. But we're waking up, right, Mandy? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and other countries are looking at us for our um, entrepreneurial, you know, opportunities. And so? so we're definitely catching up. Mm-hmm. And how so? Can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. And our, um, our you know, our opportunity to innovate um, in the United States and our access to, you know, technology and resources definitely provides opportunity around innovation and um, education to, you know, validate um, some of the claims or what is said to be known, quote unquote, about the hemp plant. And because we have so many resources, we're just moving right along. What's the most innovative, I don't know, organization or enterprise that you've come across so far? Ooh, I definitely am impressed with the the companies that are creating batteries, you know, the, the hemp wood is pretty impressive. That's very exciting. Hemp texture with hemp wool. That's very exciting. Or hemp, hemp wool in, insulation. Some Bruce Dietzen, uh, shout out to him. He's um, built a hemp car. Um, there's a number of people that have built hemp batteries. Um, Ahmed's doing hemp biofuels. How is hemp used to create a battery? This is fascinating. You know, I don't know the, the science of it. <laughs> well, I've gonna... read about them. Uh-huh. I've read about them and, you know, their comparisons to, say, a lithium battery or some of the science behind, you know, the numbers. But how they're doing it, I, I don't know. Well, that yeah. certainly um, adds some interest here. We're going to... We'll have to get somebody on that's making hemp batteries. Maybe you can refer us to someone. That's exciting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. So how has COVID affected your enterprise? I would imagine it's helped you. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. It's opened so many opportunities. And it's opened up opportunities and a focus on supply chain. And we have an opportunity to, instead of have to fix an old supply chain, right, we get to create a new one. And hemp hemp provides opportunities to fix so many pieces of our broken supply chain. And so, yes, I think it it opens doors. And I I guess I look at this, you know, all of this as a challenge, but it was definitely opportunity and where innovation has been born. Mm -hmm. And how have you been funded? Are you bootstrapping this? Yep. We're a membership-based organization and um, through grants now and um, our members. Uh, Would you like to mention at all who organizations, uh, nonprofits, who has been helping fund you? So our memberships, our members, we've got a whole list of them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, from from a, attorneys, I, I can say names like Hoban Law is a great one. Oh man, I have. <laughs> well, how large is your membership right now, and where did uh, it where, start out? I imagine where, it's grown a lot. Yeah, so we actually just started. We're only a year old um, officially, as of last month, and we just started growing our memberships or selling memberships uh, about six months ago, and we're about at 125 members now. I've got a great advisory board: Josh Newsombaum um, with Ceph Technology, um, Bobby Ziner with um, Canadian Industrial Hemp Corporation, um, Ahmed. Um, he's an expert in biofuels, has a PhD in, in engineering. Uh, Bruce Dietzen has built the he's built two now sports cars out of hemp. Ralph is the CEO and executive of um, Integrated Compliance Solutions. These are my ex- my advisors or some of my advisors, Jason Jackson with Meebach or Greg Gerdeman with NashX, um, all excellent people to know within the industry who have helped to support the association and support other members. And there's like six or seven others on top of, um, we're getting about five to 600 attendees each month to, or to our meetings so we're we're just kind of in the startup phase, taking off, but definitely making an impact within the industry. And what do you have planned for the future? What lays ahead for us? Yeah, so lots. We've got lots of projects that we've been working on from a biofuels pilot program, a project in Africa, the XPRIZE competition, which is an Elon Musk organization that is focused on drying down carbon from the atmosphere. and so we've got a group that um, is putting together an entire project to prove that carbon is, or that hemp is a big player in that, both for avoidance and sequestration. We've got a big co-op organization that's going going together, but definitely building out the supply chain really creates an opportunity for us to innovate and then develop, you know, some, they say upwards of twenty to 50,000 new products, so mm-hmm. jobs and yeah, opportunity. And how about the farming aspect of it? Mm-hmm. Is there any place in the country, any state in particular, that's just knocking it out of the park? Montana. <laughs> oh, really? Montana. That's exciting. Yeah, they're crushing it. Um, IND Hemp and the Hemp Feed Coalition are really doing a fabulous job. Uh, the fiber production up in Montana, the government up there, um, you guys have done a, an amazing job. Being close to the Canadian border has been really awesome. Um, I've got a couple of groups that are really interested in developing, you know, processing facilities into paper or uh, some of these other big markets um, right in Montana because they're knocking it out of the park. So, yeah, I'm really impressed. Hmm. And I know this is kind of a, you know, a, a technical question, but why is why is hemp so much better than say cotton? You know, what what is it that's special about uh hemp and the way that it grows? That's so exciting. Um cotton uses something like 40% of the world's pesticides and hemp can use barely any a uh, much less amount. In addition, they've got you know, the water consumption and, and then the tensile strength and, and the time at which it grows. Um, so yeah, 
It's, it's got a number when we compare to cotton itself. I think that the big, when we look at the big picture of agriculture, we have to look at the root structure and the carbon sequestration and what it does for rotation crop. You know, um, Thomas Jefferson once said that the best thing we can do for our, our um, nation is to introduce a new rotation or a new crop to the rotation. And so this is definitely the last, or we would already have one. This is the last crop we have, and it's the last opportunity we have to make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, uh, numbers-wise, how much more hemp are we growing in Montana than, say, Utah? I don't. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know Utah's numbers for acreage this year. Mm-hmm. I know licensees have dropped significantly, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and any advice? We've got oh about two minutes left here. Any advice for those working in this space? And the very last question will be uh, how folks might reach you. Awesome. Um, people working in the space, I'd love to connect with them, get to know other people, find yourself a platform or a group. There's so many great organizations out there. I mentioned IND Hemp, Midwest Hemp Council, I, I Hemp Michigan. There's a great, there's some great groups all across the nation, Florida, Texas Hemp Growers Association, U.S. Hemp Growers Association. And you are always welcome to find as much information, you know, on the website at globalhempassociation.org. Um, there's lots of resources on the YouTube channel as well. And um, so, yeah. How about overseas? Yeah. Are there uh, other absolutely. organizations you'd like to give a shout out to or direct people to? Yeah, absolutely. The European Hemp Association is doing a fabulous job. And then the Alberta up in Canada, Alberta Hemp Association is, of course, killing it. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of, um, I mean, really almost everywhere. I think that there's another association that is gathering resources to the number of global or a number of entities across the the globe. And um, that number just continues to grow every day. So mm-hmm. get involved and reach out to as many people as you, you can to build your network because it's definitely not, you know, hemp is coming at full force. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's very frustrating here in the U.S. that, you know, everything, even if you are making something here to find the stuff to make your product, it all has to come from overseas. So this is very heartwarming to know that we're, sounds like we're on the right path. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, there's thousands, hundreds and thousands of people out there that should be involved and will be um, because it's going to be in everything we can see mm-hmm. for the most part. <laughs> I don't want to say everything, but I don't want to be an overpromiser, but yeah. it is definitely an impact. That's well, and every time I use something plastic, it's like there has got to be a replacement for this stuff. We have got to get rid of all this plastic. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot of innovation and a lot of money. You know, we've got to get a lot of capital into the industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other way that you would like to share that people might be able to find you, Mandy, and carry on the conversation? Oh, absolutely. So on our website, um, you're welcome to participate in any of the meetings that we have. Um, if you go to the events tab, there's a drop down link to, I know, eight or nine meetings per month that you can get involved with all different topics from um, farming and agriculture to biofuels, plastics, and everything in between. And so, yeah, I would love to love to have you. 
Thank you so much for sharing what you're doing there, Mandy, and for being our guest here on Heartstock. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and as usual, we shall be back next week. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As I went walking, I saw a sign there, and on the sign it said, No trespassing, but on the other side.